0: and I hope you'll be inspired to write. Because, as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils & Lipstick. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 196 of the Pencils & Lipstick podcast. I'm Kat Caldwell, and today you have me with you. We have more guests coming in, but they had specific dates that they wanted their episode to go out with. So we are going to go over the seven key steps of story structure because as we get into fall and the kids go back to school and it's nicer weather, well, I mean, it's nice weather outside, right? But it's not as nice to sit and write outside when it's 90 degrees. So as the the air becomes crisper and we have maybe some pumpkin spice latte next to us. We will probably want to write more. And that's usually how things go, right? So we might be getting back into our goals and picking up that manuscript again. And I would like to go over and remind us about what storytelling is and the the seven key parts of your story that need to happen, because these are things that me and others who do developmental editing constantly see lacking, at least one in the story. And it really depends on the genre, um, which one is lacking, but we will talk about what I see when I am reading other manuscripts and what I see in myself as I'm writing my stories. And these seven um, essentials are pretty much well known throughout the writing sphere, and it, they go for Short stories, um, screenplays, novels, whether they are genre or literary novels, um, pretty much this is what a story is, right? A story that differentiates itself from like a joke or an anecdote or what happened to me yesterday. A story, a complete story has to have seven things. So we are going to go into that. Um, if you guys like, Pencils and Lipstick, I haven't asked you for a couple episodes, but would you like and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to the podcast, whether you're on um, YouTube, hello, if you're on YouTube, you get to see me and my fun lipstick every week. Um, If you would subscribe and uh, get that notification, but if you're listening on audio, you can subscribe on the podcast app of your choice as well. Um, and there are going to be some fun things going on, but you can always in the show notes below, whether you're on YouTube or on a podcast, there are links below. If I have a guest, their links are always in the show notes. Um, YouTube makes it difficult to have clickable links. So you're going to have to copy paste those. Um, but you can always find me Usually, mostly on Instagram um, at catcaldwell.author or pencils and lipstick if you want to see who the guests are, what maybe you missed last week. Last week, we had Carissa Andrews on. She was talking about using AI to help her outline her books, and she has a new course coming out called Four Books in Five Days sounded really awesome. In fact, I signed up for it because I have a whole book idea, like series idea that I want to get outlined. Um, and if you are ready, getting ready for NaNoWriMo, if you um, want to see how she's using AI to help her write, not write for her, but help her write, I suggest that you sign up for that or check out last week's episode. Um, but yeah, you guys subscribing or sharing the episode uh, really helps Helps the algorithm, helps people um find out where you're getting your information from, helps people listen. Always, that's always good. Numbers going up and all that. Um, we will continue the show. We are going into our fifth year. So that is very exciting. I'm excited to continue the show. Um Lots of people have dropped off in this sphere, but we are going to continue. We have some really exciting guests talking um, about storytelling and um, marketing. We're going to focus a little bit more on the business aspect this year. So we um, are a business. We are a small business, each and every one of us, but our businesses are built by the books that we write, right? So if we don't have that foundation, we don't have anything to sell. So we need to make sure that the books that we write have the the seven essentials of a story. So what makes a story um satisfying, that book that people close and hold to their chest and want to tell everybody about and that they just love, it has certain elements to it. Now, sometimes these things come um really intuitively to us. Maybe a story has come to you and you're just, like it it just came naturally. But if you're gonna make this a business in which you are gonna end up writing 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, more than 100 books, you won't always have that intuition on the story, right? So understanding the essentials of the story is really important. I also see this with people who are writing their first really debut novel in which they want it to be a really big um, catapult, I guess, into their writing career. So maybe a more literary um, book they really are not planning to write dozens of books, maybe one, two, three, four, five books in their career, maybe a few more, but they really want each one to be a little more time crafted, I guess. So we're talking literary fiction there. These are still necessary. And I still find uh, when I'm coaching people, something's missing in the literary. And I would caution that it is sometimes easy to lack, to to have these things missing when you are in the literary field because a lot of times people are focusing a lot more on their themes, and themes are great. Um, it's also great to have settings in which you, know, you are drawing parallels and it's like a philosophy <laughs> of the story. Those are all great, they enrich the story a lot, but stories are about the change in the character. So what makes a story really satisfying is when the character realizes something, learns something, or chooses not to learn something, which makes, you know, but the the viewer or the reader understands that choice. Um, And that is what will make the reader sort of contemplate the story for days to come, right? So the first thing that we need to do is understand the weakness and the need of the characters. Now, when we talk about, characters not being super good (laughs) using all my vocabulary today. You've probably seen this out in the internet. Do not make your characters perfect. Okay, but what does that mean? That they like have like a twitch or like they don't recycle, whatever? No, actually give your characters a weakness. And the weakness that they're gonna need is gonna have to do something it's going to have to have like, um, have something to do with the story and with what they need to overcome. Right. So whether they're arrogant, selfish, um, they refuse to love a lot of times in romance, um, they are inexperienced. They are, um, suffering from trauma. They, um, if, if maybe they're in a cultural exchange and so they feel like power, a little bit powerless because they're in a whole new country. Um, perhaps it's a woman in a man's world or a man in a woman's world or a child in an adult's world. Um, so there has to be a weakness that really kind of makes them, um, not on the same level as everyone else. So the weakness is something that is, um, that can be both moral in itself and kind of physical. Um, But it is going to be related to their need that they need to overcome by the end of the story. So if they're arrogant and selfish, they're gonna have to learn to be more humble and selfless. Let's think about um, pride and prejudice. They have to overcome, they are both (laughs) prideful and prejudice against each other, right? And so they both have to overcome that and start seeing um, the other person in a different way and they both have to humble themselves and realize that they are not correct, right? So if the person is perhaps um, needing to overcome trauma, uh, they are going to need to overcome their past, they're gonna have to figure out a way to do that during the story. Um, And the plot line is gonna have to push that that overcoming forward, if they are maybe the weaker character in their job and they need to find um, find themselves and find their courage and learn to adapt to that job like that is going to both take um a a difference within themselves in order to make that difference in the physical world as well. So these two things are interchangeable, right? They have to be connected to each other. They're not interchangeable, but they do have to be connected to each other. Now, on the other hand, like that is sort of like the inner part of them. And they're not always really aware of like their, their need to change, right? So we're not always aware of how selfish or prideful or arrogant we are. Um, and so these are the things that the plot is going to reveal to them and, um, sort of force them into that decision on change. Right. So, um, the one thing that they will know is their desire. Um, so their desire is something that the character does understand. So they might not understand their need, but they do have a certain desire. Now it's interesting because the desire that they have at the beginning doesn't always mean that it is what they get at the end. Um, a lot of times their desire will change because of their um need to change themselves right <laughs> so they have to start out with a desire um he like your character might have like this particular thing that they need to do um but, or that they think that they want to become, and yet the story pushes them into a different decision. And by the end, their desire has either gone away or it has changed, right? On the other hand, it can be, um, if you step back and think about like Saving Private Ryan, the desire of uh, what is the guy's name. Anyway, the captain, um he has to the Tom Hanks character. His desire is to go find that soldier, you know, Private Ryan, because his government has told him to do that, right? And what's weird about that desire is like it that that fulfillment of the desire is actually going to cause the deaths of quite a few guys. <laughs> you know, like it's a bit of a weird um story when you step back. Um but that plays into the fact that he has to do this despite like his fear and despite his, um his kind of not wanting to do it. Right. So like the desire is something that he has to like, this has to be done and then he has to sort of overcome it. Now um, the desire can be like for people to make money. Your character maybe wants to make money. Maybe they want fame. Um, in Bended Loyalty, my book that I'm the first of the the duology that I'm working on, his desire is, is for fame and for monetary security. And the way in which he's going about it is going to change completely throughout the story right and in the end the desire while the the desire for monetary security might not change the way that he's going to get it is going to shift and the way that he sees that desire is going to shift so i hope that you under understand i hope i'm making sense here so let's say like um so like for a law thriller usually the desires to win the case, right? And so whatever has to happen to them um in order like as they're learning through this, you know, um, usually they want to win the case. Now, whether or not your lawyer's gonna win the case has to make sense in the story, right? Or like a thriller, they have their desires to save the president. Um, you know, however that changes throughout the story. Um and yet like a detective is going to want to solve the mur- the murder mystery, maybe they won't figure it out. And that's going to then push them into the next book, right? And if you have a series, they're going to need an overall arching desire throughout. So a lot of times like a thriller or mystery series will have a a bad guy that they're hunting throughout the entire series, right? And then they'll have like people within the books, like each book episode, they'll have a different desire as well. So there is a bit of a difference here. The um, the, the need that they have is different than the, the desire, right? So their need, their need to change, they have a weakness and they need to change or overcome that weakness, but their desire is a little bit more outwardly, right? Um, And they can, they need to sort of be interconnected so that the plot works to push them forward. Um, So when we are looking at this, this in the story structure, so we have our our characters and we're looking at their weaknesses and their needs and their desires. And almost every story needs an opponent. So even in a romance story, usually your opponent is The love interest, right? The person that they're like, they're, they have friction with, that they have conflict with. Um, that is the opponent. So, whether or not it's like a Marvel movie and they have a real physical, um, Thanos, you know, like their opponent, um, or if it's a little quieter, the opponent is the person that they're constantly sort of having friction with. Um, in a mother daughter, you know, book, like the mother and the, each other is the opponent. Um, so you, you definitely need to think of that other character, that person that they're rubbing up against and they're, they are having friction with as the opponent. So don't think that you don't have an opponent ever. (laughs) Like, especially there are certain genres that people like to think that they don't have an opponent. And, um, you know, Sometimes it's easier to see it where like Darth Vader is your opponent, but every book has that sort of friction. And again, in a series, a lot of times someone who is an opponent might become actually an ally throughout the series. Right. So just because somebody's an opponent in one book doesn't mean that they will be an an opponent in the next book. Um, so the other thing that you need um, for your book is for your story is a plan like the character i know we all need a plan as an author right but your character needs a plan on how they're going to do stuff so the um the inciting incident happens like their life is a little bit turned upside down or an opportunity has come but they need a reason for stepping into um past sort of that inciting incident um uh, maybe they get the opportunity to go work in paris Okay, they need a plan on why that fits into their life, right? So, I th- I see this as like a a way to convince the reader that this is not just like something happening to the character because warning, your readers know when your character has no plan and things are just happening to them. Um I always get my mother always comes and talks to me about the books that she's reading and she as a non-writer has seen this over and over again, of like, this makes, like, this is not deep enough. It's that feeling of not being deep enough, of not having that character developed enough because the character doesn't even have a plan. It's just like these exciting things are happening to them and they don't know why, but you might as well say yes. You know, so the, the character needs to have the plan and it needs to go along with their personality and with their weaknesses you know, and with their desires, like if their weakness is that they're very shy, they can't just suddenly go give a speech because somebody offered them the opportunity to give a speech. Like they, they should have to overcome their shyness and over in order to give the speech. Right. So you have to make sure that the plan makes sense to both the character and to the reader, because that is going to help the reader connect more to, um, to the book and to the storyline. The other thing that people think it is, is genre specific and it's not really um is the is the next one it's the battle. All right, so the battle. These are sort of easy to see in some genres. Um so if it is the law thriller again, it's usually the courtroom drama, right? I you can probably think of a couple movies where like that is, you know, you can't handle the truth. Like that's the battle uh, going on there. The thriller is usually uh, they're actually saving the president or the big action is coming. The bad guy and the good guy are finally like, you know, are no longer avoiding each other, but they're sort of there. And and now they're battling out. That's really obvious. Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader battling it. But the truth is like the battle in the romance is happening when, um, That moment in every romance when you have to figure out that they're not going to get together, they're deciding not to get together, and there's got to be some sort of battle there, right? An argument, a miscommunication, something's going to happen, a decision. Like, it's a a quieter battle, but it's still happening. That that battle is still there. Um, In a family drama, there's some sort of happening right there in which they're going to really to sort of battle it out, for lack of a better word, <laughs> like, um, they are going to l- reveal and lay out on the table all the things that they're happening that that they have you know sort of hidden throughout um, the book, right? So, if you don't like the word battle, um, this is usually the the final conflict, the final um, climax, really of the book, and it you really should think of it as this sort of more strategic moment in the book. They really need to lay bare. Um, I'm thinking off the top of my head that, um, that, cri- that Christmas movie with um, Susan Sarandon, where she's ha- she has cancer. I really hope I got that right. And Jessica Parker, oh, I'm thinking off the top of my head, but the battle in which like they don't like her, the family doesn't like her. Right. And she, um, they find her very selfish, which she is like, she's weird and she doesn't fit into the family. And yet the Christmas present that she has very thoughtfully made for the, for each of the kids is a picture of the mom. Right. And because they all know they're all, they're all trying to deny the fact that the mom is dying. And so that she reveals that she's very um very actually very thoughtful and there's a battle right before that right where the like this battle of wills in the family. And so I think thinking about it like that will help bring the right kind of conflict and tension into your story. It really shouldn't be a climax is is sort of like a hold your breath and then it's done, right? Even in literary fiction, it really should bring the heart rate up of the the reader. And really it should be a hold of the breath of like, (gasps) are they going to get it figured out? And even if it's only a couple seconds, they're still like, you can imagine like swords are drawn and then they clatter to the floor when she reveals the the picture that, you know, you guys have misjudged me. I am actually trying to be a good person here just like everyone else, right? Um, So I know it's it's sometimes with certain genres hard to understand that battle word, but I think if you could sort of figure it out in that way of like how you want the final conflict intention to really be ratcheted really, really high. Like we want it at 15 out of 10, right? Um, self-revelation. I talk about this all the time. This is the sixth one. Self-revelation has to be in your book and it has to be on the page. Like we really have to see the self-revelation. Now, if you have a lot of characters, this is probably happening throughout um, One of the the easiest ones is Casablanca, right? When Rick um, lets go of his cynicism and lets go of his hurt, and realizes that he really can be a force for good. That one person's deed can change the course of history. Um, Before that, he's really all like he's protecting himself, right? He's he's been hurt. He doesn't want anything to do with the war. He's trying to be you know, just living for himself, but he sheds his cynicism and he sacrifices, um, possibly his life. Like in the end, the movie sort of fades and they, they think that, you know, we have the understanding that he's still going to survive. Right. But, but eh, technically (laughs) he might have gotten tortured after that. Um, so that's probably the easiest a lot of people have, um, have seen that movie before, um, you just, you have to have that revelation for the characters. So like when, um, so let's think of the last one of the hunger games, the last movie when she realizes and the, and the viewer realizes that even though all the other characters don't, that snow is not the only bad guy that if she only kills snow, that she's only, she's actually only making another dictator, right? Um, What is, yeah, you know, this is a problem with not prepping and just going with my brain, whatever uh the lady of District 13, um, her name was. So it's when Katniss realizes, right? And in, in each book, she's realizing something, but it's a really interesting revelation because the way that it's done is the reader realizes it with Katniss and not a lot of other people realize it. At the same time, right? So then she has to sort of battle and make a decision, quite possibly putting herself at risk again, um, because people are going to be mad because because they haven't realized that what they're doing is just creating another dictator. So that's a lot of burden on the main character, but it makes for a really satisfying ending when we get to that ending. So your self-revelation cannot also be at the very end. (laughs) Like we need some wrap up at the self-revelation, but again, please, please put the self-revelation on the page. It cannot be, last night I realized, no, we need to be in last night in that scene when the person's realizing, okay? So this is one thing that I see quite often is like a day after or an hour after they've realized, no, we want to be in the action moment of that realization. Now your climax is probably many times already happened or is about to happen, or maybe is happening at the same time, but we still need to see the moment in which our main character, the person you've made us fall in love with, Realizes something. Okay. Their self revelation, their weaknesses. What, how are they, um, overcoming that? Have they overcome it? Maybe they're realizing that they did overcome it and they, they did it, you know, um, maybe they spoke up because they were speaking up for someone else and they actually hadn't planned it. Um, So I'm thinking like maybe they were trying to get to the speech all along and they didn't get to the speech. They copped out on it. But in the moment that it counted, they spoke up for someone else and they realized, oh, they do have that ability to speak up when it counts. Um, so this will all, this needs to go back into their weaknesses, right? So the the reason why we're looking at what their weaknesses are and what their needs on how they're going, what they need to change is their self-revelation has to be connected to that, right? And so then, as I said, um, your last one, the self-revelation and the climax are not coming at the end. What's coming at the end is the new world order. Right. I know that that word, that phrase has some connotations to it these days, but the new order of the world of the character, the new balance that is coming. So, if you're writing a book about a a couple going to marriage counseling and they're about to divorce at the beginning of the book, by the end of the book, whatever they're self, you know, they're both self realizing that they're both part of the problem and they're going to change and they're going to do whatever. Then the last little bit of the book needs to be that shift in their world that shows and proves to the reader that they have not just decided to make it, but they really are going to make it because their world has shifted and they have moved things around, right? So their new balance, their new world, they have, they have, you know, sort of shifted 45 degrees and this is how they're going to go forward from now on. Okay. So your last few, um, scenes are going to be about how that world has changed. If you're writing a series in which things are changing for the worse or for the better, whatever it is, you st- you need to bring that in at the end and really set the tone for what that world is going to be. Because now we've seen this entire world of this character for, let's say, 300 pages. We need a good 15 pages or whatever it is a couple scenes to see that um they're not just declaring that the war is over but the war really is over they're not declaring that they're going to stay together but they really are going to stay together and what has changed in the world it's that sort of like relaxing feeling that you get when you've watched the end of the movie right or read the end of a good book of like okay i am I was convinced in the emotion, and now I'm convinced in my rationale that these characters really are going to make it. If you are writing the kind of book in which they have chosen not to change, um, that's really interesting as well, but that last sort of equilibrium needs to show the um, reader what the consequences are gonna be of that decision. Okay. So like what, um, what that changes in the world, because even, even that decision for the world of that character, that is really going, that is still shifting the balance of their world. Right. Um, I watched a movie again on the plane. So I have no idea, uh, where, <laughs> where he controls like the dreams or some people would get into the pod and it's like a utopian and, um, they would sit and they would revisit their dreams or their past, their memories. It wasn't dreams. It was their memories in the past and they would sit with their memories of the past, the good ones. Right. And so like he chose at the end to literally live forever. In his past memories, like that's a real different equilibrium for the world, right? So we understood that when he had the self-revelation, but to be able to see it and to understand it and then to see where the other characters are while he is in a corner and like this pod thingy um, is really important for that satisfactory ending of the story. It's still a weird story, but whatever, (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) Um, I can't remember the name of it or the actors, but yeah, it's a good plain movie. So we sort of have to see this, um, you know, in a thriller, usually it's like the guy, um, or the gal, I guess, reunited with their family or with their coworkers or, um, the world is now safe again, you know, all that sort of thing. So those are the seven essentials, um, to storytelling. These are really really important guys. There are other little things that you can do, um, within the story and each genre has different essentials in it as well. If you guys want to study more, one of my favorite people, um, to listen, talk about this is John Truby, T-R-U-B-Y. He has a couple books out. He talks about it a lot if you can catch him on podcasts, but this is like the well-known, um, essentials of story Telling no matter what story you are telling, right? We kind of like we need a beginning, middle, and end. We need a character that's fully developed. That's kind of like (laughs) the concise version of what we just went through. So, again, check out the uh, show notes below and be back next week for another interview show. Um, And share this with everyone that you know who is writing, especially somebody who is trying to prep for um, Preptober and um, NaNoWriMo. This will help you in your story and help you not to get stuck as you try to finish your novel. So until next time, see you. Hey, you're still listening. you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.